Si sí eran. Así las hicieron. La burra arisca. La burra arisca. La burra arisca. Tres mujeres en sus cuarentas diciendo una que otra sandés y buscando aprobación social. Con Laura Manso, la Amalgator y Adina Cherminsky. La burra arisca. Hola, bienvenidos a el primer episodio de la cuarta temporada de La Burra Arisca. Yo soy la Margator. Yo soy Adina Cherminsky. Y yo soy Laura Manso. Y yo no les puedo explicar la emoción que tengo yo hoy, porque nunca ni en mis sueños más guajiros me imaginé que una de mis ídolas máximas del mundo mundial, ¿eh? Estuviera en un programa con mis dos manas y nosotras hablando justo de lo que nos gusta hablar. Esta señora es inglesa, bueno, es de origen eh, israelí, pero vive en Inglaterra. Eh, escritora, bloguera, columnista, youtubera y sobre todo se ha convertido como en un referente de todas esas cosas que las mujeres y los hombres y a la humanidad le urge escuchar y empezar a integrar en su nueva manera de ser. La señora Tovali está hoy con nosotros, necesitamos fanfarrias. Dear, dear Tova. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us. I cannot explain to you the, how excited I am. I am your Mexican groupie, you know that, right? I am Amazing. the president of your Mexican fan club. And we are so honored to have you here because you represent everything that we try to put here on the table for other women in Spanish, mostly. But whatever works, right? So today is in English and we are so, so, so excited to have you here. Be very uh -huh. welcome. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm so glad we connected. Um, I have so many things I hate about social media, but the one thing I love is how you, you do find uh, amazing people and like from all over the world. It's so amazing that we, we kind of found each other and we connected and now we're meeting ish nearly. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I agree with you. So as you know, this show always starts with a knocker question and it's up to our guests to do it. And you can ask anything you want, as long as you are willing to answer it too. So I, good. I'm, I mean, I feel like now I'm really bringing the level down. <laughs> please to please do. Like, <laughs> it's going to be no, like, no, don't think, no. <laughs> We have have I'm sure you're not. Wait, I just want to say that to my defense, uh, as you know, I in my channels, I really do talk about all things awkward, difficult, uncomfortable. And I wrote uh, two books that are filled with those secrets and, and stories. So it's quite hard for me to uh, think of something that would make me really feel uncomfortable. So I asked my daughters if they had any ideas. And they thought that I should discuss um, uh, farts because my <laughs> children are 10 and eight. And that is the level, you know, we're, we're, we're at farts. Uh, so they, they suggested I ask if you have ever farted in public and blamed your child. <laughs> I have completely done that. Yes. You know where? On the supermarket line with my baby. Yes. <laughs> I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, usually play, I usually blame my husband. Oh, that's a good one. That is a and good I one. And I blame my dog. And I blame my dog. Very <laughs> good. I got the massage. 
You see, the thing is with children, it can backfire. So I used to blame them quite often. And then at some point it backfired when they were kind of able to sort of say, that wasn't me, that was you, mommy. And I then I realized that I have to up my game. So we got dogs for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> because there's nothing worse than fighting in public except for being called a, li- called a liar in public. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I say own your farts ladies own them yeah yeah if you cannot do that you cannot do anything else right exactly the the point one zero of feminism the farting issue is a big feminist issue because men have absolutely no problem owning their farts they have absolutely no problem whatsoever it's it's true it's true and you you're so right you're so right because that you know obviously well I fart, my husband farts, I can't believe this conversation is about farts, but anyway, (laughs) and uh, my husband has really very little issue with it. He'll just say, oh, sorry. And I'll go, but are you sorry? Because (laughs) sorry sort of means like you tried to hold it in and it didn't look like you were trying. On the the contrary, they are proud of their farts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's a very good introduction for the thing we want to talk with you about today it's about changing the narrative and and that's a, a perfect example about changing the narrative we as women because yeah. if men are proud of their farts they can be proud of anything right and if we yeah. keep on going being ashamed of our, our farts then how can we be even owning ourselves yeah, but it's so funny, you know, I, I, I can't remember who it was messaged me recently and I was thinking about it, how, you know, like even uh, genitalia. So like, uh, you know, the feet, the, the, you know, the penis is glorified, uh, whereas like vaginas and vulvas are considered uh, not beautiful outside of feminist, like feminist circles. Right. And that's like such a it's such a weird thing when you think about it. And no offense to you know, any male listeners, yeah, you know, I don't want to shame anyone, but like, you know, I think objectively, you know, penises are not that attractive. <laughs> the, no, yeah, you're right. <laughs> They're glorified, you know, like they make straws in the shape of penises and like all kinds of rocket ships for billionaires, you know, like all kinds of things are very phallic. And for some bizarre reason, uh, vulva doesn't really get that kind of that kind of yeah. treatment so yeah I don't know why <laughs> and again it goes like that with everything about women so yeah. how important to change to learn to unlearn everything we've told to do think act as women and relearn how to do it right when we need like a resetting our minds from ground zero to I don't know the, the I think it has to do with confidence. Imagine Michelangelo. He was sculpting a 20-foot man with a three-foot penis. penis. He never doubted it would look great. I mean, there was never any question on how a penis this big would look on a sculpture. And he went on with it. There's no doubt that men are born so empowered that whatever gets in the way uh, in self-doubt, whatever self-doubt they have, they throw it away. And they learn to deal with that. 
And that's yeah. the thing we don't know how to do yet, right? Tova, yeah. Tova do, do you remember when and where you started to change your narrative? You know what? I think that, um, first of all, you know, it goes back so many years, everything you're talking about. It's like sometimes I feel like, I, where do you even start, right, to discuss the narrative? But obviously, when you think about, um, you know, men and women and uh, oh, the whole like history of feminism, and then you think about sexism and how language feeds into that, the messages that are that were given for to women for generations. And even now today, you know, in 2021, despite the fact that, you know, women have the right to vote and different things that we didn't have not even a hundred years ago, right? In certain parts of the world and still in some part of the world, you know, in some parts of the world still don't have um, the messages, the, the, the subconscious messages, the sexism is still out there. I cringe nearly every single time I watch any movie with my daughters that's pre 2019, you know, because I think it's getting better now. And I think there's more attention to it in dialogue and in casting and all that type of thing. But you watch anything, you know, from the 80s or from the 90s or definitely from anything uh, before there. It's 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 cringeworthy to even watch it. It's just everywhere. Um For me personally, uh, I grew up, uh, I think, in a very, like a lot of people probably from my generation, very traditional setting in terms of family. My dad was the breadwinner. He brought in the money. He had a job. We didn't see him throughout the week. My mom was a homemaker and she had no control over the finances and Uh, you know, and, and it was very traditional in that way. Uh, I think that what was maybe, and, and I think my, my dad, again, it, it's, it's not his fault in a way because he was just part of that generation. Um, so he, I was, I was the eldest in my family and I, without being told knew, I say this in my book, in the first book, um, without being told knew that despite It really didn't matter how smart I was, how ambitious I was, how, you know, how, how whatever I was, there was still always that one thing that would hold me back compared to my brother. And that was the fact that I was a girl and he was a boy. Yeah, that penis. <laughs> um, <laughs> Again. Yeah. And, um, you know, and actually my dad was the one that kept saying to me, you know, study, make sure you study. But and he, he even said it to me. This is how. Um, I guess it was just so rooted even as in his mind. He said, you know, you, what you don't want is to not, you know, you don't want your husband to be educated and smart and you not knowing you need to know, like you need to be in the know. Um, and, uh, and I don't know. I, I, so I don't know. I feel like I grew up trying to prove myself. I grew up trying to prove that even though I was just a girl, I was as smart as my brother, as strong as my brother, as capable, you know, and I did that in every field, like in sports and, you know, in, in education, like I always had to do just a bit more than him, literally to prove. Um, and I always walked away feeling that no matter what I did, I, I still wasn't enough, um, which is really sad when you think about it, you know, um, I feel bad. I, I don't know. You can't, you can't change the past, but that was my story. That was kind of like my background. Um, and I think that that maybe is why women's rights and just women in general was such a big thing for me and still is. 
And being a mom of three girls, I want them to be empowered and know, you know, their worth and that they can do whatever they want and all those type of things. Um, so obviously that feeds into what I do now. I think your father and my daughter are related. Sorry? I think your father and my father are related. <laughs> I think they share, they share some DNA for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I for think sure. all our fathers are related in that way because it was yeah. another, and that's something I yeah. try to explain to my girl. I have a 16-year-old girl who was born with this flag about for all the rights in the world that have to be uh, defended she she has that in her hand yeah. right she holds yeah. that and it's it's becoming a little impossible to talk to her about anything because she gets like yeah. on fire about everything which is good for yeah. her age right but yeah. one thing i try to explain to her is that her grandparents are from another time and yeah I get the point and I, of course, I in the, in the battle with her to change that narrative, but you have to also give some space to the older people to start to get that the world has changed, right? Yeah. Hopefully mm. they will get there and some of them won't. And that's also part of, of the world right now, right? It's like the middle of things where we are changing that and our daughters will be I guess adults uh, living in another world according to this in another world with other narratives about their yeah. bodies about their image about their sex about their how they live in couple about everything right because even for us it's still difficult sometimes to relearn things and to yeah how do we speak to ourselves differently and say, you know what, fuck it. I don't want to do this anymore or, or, or do it like this anymore, right? That's what I loved your book, uh, 40 and Fucked. I loved it. I saw myself there so many times. And, and, and I think every woman in the world, 40-ish, <laughs> will, will see that because that's the moment we're living in, every, everyone. In, in England or in Israel or here, we are all starting to think, you know what? That's not the way I want to do it anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, uh, 40 is a magic number for women. Uh, you know, it's really a, a real, uh, I don't know. Again, I, I didn't realize that it was so significant. I really thought it was just me. But after obviously talking to people when I was going through my my kind of like that kind of, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 46 next month. But like when I was in that place where things were really changing for me and I spoke to a lot of women, I realized, God, this is a thing. Yeah. No one's talking about it, but this is a thing. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote the book and then people reacted to the book and I realized that, wow, it's not just a coincidence. And I think it makes sense when I look back now, because for women who, let's say women who have chosen to be, to be mothers, um, 40 is usually that point where your kids are out of nappies and they're wiping their own butts and they're kind of, <laughs> yeah. And they're like a little bit more independent and you're not breastfeeding anymore. And maybe you're not, uh, you know what I mean? Like your hormones yeah. are so sort of settled a little bit more. And then 
suddenly you're kind of like you have you start looking at yourself again whereas those the, you had like those years of uh, it, even if you are a career woman I think for a lot of women there's those years of the, the a young years and you're just like the motherhood is at the front of your mind and it's the first time in the years that you can just kind of suddenly focus on yourself and that's one thing but the other thing I also think is I honestly do believe I believe that there's a lot of conspiracies out in the world and most of them have to do with gender and with women particularly like, you know, one of the things being, Oh, that's awful. No, I think that women get so much better with age reason being that when you're 20 years old or 16 or 20 or 25, you're still really concerned about being cute and you still really want to be liked and accepted through the male gaze and, you know, with all the rules of the patriarchy. Whereas I think in, in your 40s, you just go, fuck it. I'm not interested in that anymore. Like, I'm not going to play the. Oh, God, was I like cut off and just carried on chatting? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, it's fine. Go ahead. Sorry. So, yeah, I just think that. It gets so much more interesting, actually, from that age onwards. I am, I used to really be afraid of aging. And now I'm excited about aging. I'm excited about, uh, you know, uh, what my 50s are going to be like, you know, I, I'm excited. I feel like women have so much more power as we get older and just shed all that bullshit, you know, and and just be ourselves. And people say, by the way, this is why people say that middle-aged women are crazy. They think <laughs> we go crazy, but we're not crazy. We've always been this way. We just acted in our twenties. <laughs> that was the show. That wasn't real. Now it's real. This is what we're really like, you know, uh, but it's just a way to kind of like to make sense of it. Ooh, women go crazy. Ooh, they become a bit, you know, so, no, no, no. This is the real me before it was not, you know, so <laughs> it was. So yes, I, I, I agree. I agree. But are you sure that you're hundred percent excited or maybe there's still a conflict about um, what's going about? Uh, well, uh, your wrinkles or your hair or anything. Um, I'm excited too, but, but I still have a conflict, if I'm being honest. About yeah. aging, you say? About aging. Yes, about aging, yeah. Well, the thing is, it's not that funny to find your boobs going to your knees, right? It's like, <laughs> not, it's not that exciting, but I I'm think the main thing is that you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hair in the yeah. There you go. I have to twist it every morning. I, have I love to it. it every morning. I Completely. Love it. But the thing is to, to learn to focus your attention in the things that matter, right? I mean, yeah. did you see yesterday Iris Apfel going 100 and rocking the shit out of it? Did you? No. No. Well, Yesterday, Iris Apfel went uh, 100. And I wow, that, that's... That. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. Sorry, yes. that's another thing. Yes. <laughs> But I mean... She's great. The thing, the thing is, one of the things we need to change about the narrative is that aging sucks. And it does in some little ways. But it only sucks if you're a woman. Why? 
because yeah. everything about being a woman is so strongly linked to uh, your appearance and to looks. Exactly. So then when you go ooh, aging, then like you said, oh, the boobs uh, drop down. I'm getting wrinkles, you know, like I'm not looking, I gain weight. I've got some beer, a beard, whatever, all the things that happen with aging. And because our value and everything uh, as women is so deeply linked with looks, it's all bad, right? Uh, men, you know, people say like, oh, men get better with age. And it's like, because they're not, their, their worth is usually not linked so much or as much with, as women is to their appearance. So they're, they're allowed to age. Women are just simply not allowed to age. Yeah. We're, we're held to impossible standards because if you look beautiful, then you're dumb. And if you yeah. are very successful, then you're a bitch. And if you're successful and uh, you look good, then your kids must be serial killers because it means you never spend time at home. So we're held to impossible standards. It's, in, yeah. it's a lose-lose situation for us because no matter what, whatever we do, someone else finds it unacceptable. And the question and is, why do we care so much? And no, so here's, yeah. sorry, but go ahead. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, you know, it took me a while to understand this. And then I started researching it and I saw that I have not come up with this theory. Okay. There's a lot of uh, studies that have been written about it. And I wish I could quote and tell you who by who, but I can't. So look it up after <laughs> and do your own research. But this is where, this is where I'm coming from. Somebody benefits from the fact that women obsess over their looks constantly who's benefiting from it think about it you know this is making a lot of money for a lot of people of course. mainly men industry. and also and to also it takes our eye off the ball like you know if if i'm a very busy about my looks and all that type of thing that i'm not looking at other things i'm not noticing what's happening to women's rights and i'm not noticing what's happening in the world and more important issues and i say this with all the love and compassion to anybody who is struggling you know with body acceptance or with their own you know uh, their own personal journey i totally get it i'm not trying to dismiss it i'm just saying that in my own personal uh, journey, it was a eureka moment when I just went, oh my God, the amount of minutes and hours and days that I have wasted and spent obsessing over something that is out of my control anyway, has taken me away from so many other things that are just happening underneath my nose. And I haven't noticed who is benefiting from that. Oh my okay. God. Oh my God. And it was just that moment that I went, no more, no more. I'm not, I don't care about that. There's more important things. And this is what I want to be talking about. And this is what I want to be dealing with. And I still post stuff about body image because I do appreciate and I understand that it's still a very important issue for a lot of people. But I do try when I talk about it to come at it from that perspective. Uh, so from, yeah, sorry. One thing is, you posted last week or the week before last, you posted a picture of yourself in a bathing suit and you got some terrible comments. Terrible, terrible. Where's the line? Comments, judgment for men. Where is the yeah. line of what's acceptable and unacceptable uh, for one person to judge another? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And, uh, you know, like I get those messages a lot. I honestly don't care because, you know, like when you think about it um, 
and don't get me wrong, like sometimes and usually in the past more so uh, when people would say offensive things to me, you know, you get offended, of course, because it's like nobody wants to hear bad things. And especially when they're very personal. So not so much about appearance, but like if they say something about my family or my children, like I don't like that, you know, but uh, I really don't get offended anymore because I don't know them and they don't know me. So, you know, it's like why would I get offended by a total stranger? If a friend said something like that to me or my husband or my children thought bad things about me, that would really be something that I, you know, kind of like think about more and whatever, but total strangers, I honestly don't care. The only reason I shared it was because um, it was a really good opportunity to talk about misogyny. Uh, And it was a great opportunity to talk about uh, you know, online bullying or whatever it is, you know. And, um, and when you responded to that, you did, you did it brilliantly, as you always do, saying that we women don't owe you, men yeah. or other women, beauty or a standard yeah. of uh, how much we had to wait or how much we have to spend our and our clothes or whatever. I mean, yeah. because this thing and this bullyingness it doesn't come only from men it, it, it always comes it also comes uh from women most of the times or a lot of the times and and that's like the the shittiest of shit things to do throwing shit at another woman right because she's she's not uh size zero like you think she should be or because she does or doesn't do whatever you think right so i think it's it's amazing that We still think we have to fit in some standard that I don't know who invented. Or, or, the beauty or, industry, of course. Yeah. I, and the, 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 the other day I had a debate with a, with a woman in, in social media that told me that uh, some women like to uh, use, to wear um, jihabs and burkas. And, and I answered that it was uh, because of uh, ignorance, no? And, and then she told me, no, feminist women uh, like to, uh, to wear burkas. But is the same problem as, as, as we uh, like to use, uh, well, uh, to, to, to wear makeup or to wear these beauty standards? And, 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 and that's what we need to understand what what is going outside to understand or, or it's better to um, to understand what is going inside us because these beauty um, standards were established by the beauty industry that it's uh, uh, millions we're talking about of uh, millions of dollars so if we get uh, it's like very similar if i i i do wear jihabs because I own, then I I could go to heaven, no? But uh, we wear high heels because I'm a better woman if I uh, wear high heels, no? So it's like the same fight. You could compare this fight uh, of understanding what's going on inside of you and what's going on outside. Who is... Who is establishing these rules? The, yeah, the, men, the, 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 the patriarchy in, 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 yeah. in, in, in religion or uh, in business is the same. I think it's the same. Uh, yeah. 
I, I think so too. But also what's interesting is that when you think about the beauty industry, you know, it constantly changes. So like uh, the beauty industry, you know, there's like the beauty uh, standard, a uh, goal, but that changes. It changes every, every so many years. So, you know, and, and, and it makes sense for it to change because it, it's always set as something that can't really be achieved because again, like it serves a purpose and the purpose is to make a lot of money for people. You know, if 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 you if they tell you what you need is, I don't know, um, thin eyebrows. Remember in the 90s, we yeah. all had them. Right. And you buy your tweezers and you go and you do it and you've lasered them off and now you've achieved them. But, you know, so that's not good because the, nobody's making money now anymore. So they say, oh, no, 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 actually thick eyebrows are better. So here are some tattoos and here's how you get that. You know, and like in a few years, we'll go back to thin eyebrows. So it's of course. because the whole point is to just try and make more money, you know. So I, I talk a lot about, by the way, uh, you know, like brands and how that links into all of it. You know, uh, uh, social media, especially run by brands. Everything we see on our feeds is because somebody wants it to be there, you know, like even when it's authentic and whatever, at the end of the day, you know, I, I work on social media work for, you know, for like five years now, I can tell you for a fact that when I put up uh, content that's controversial, it doesn't perform well. And it's not because there's no audience for it. It's because they can't put an ad on it they can't put an ad on a video about rape. So they have no interest in trying to push it out, you know, and uh, we are all living in a, in a mall the society, all of us, it's like a virtual mall. This we're just being, we're just, people are just trying to sell us stuff, stuff the whole time, the whole time. So it's very much about money. And then if you go back another layer, you know, most of these corporations still are owned by men. <laughs> so it does bring me back always to the big, big bad wolf. And I know I sound like a, a really angry feminist. Someone once told me, if you're going to be an angry feminist, make sure you don't look like an angry feminist. <laughs> look beautiful. Please look beautiful. <laughs> so I always wear a pink lipstick and smile. Um, you know, as long as but, you uh, do that, you will be but fine. But here's the thing. But here's the thing. Even now, I laugh about it. And when they told me that, I took it into account. I thought, oh, okay, that makes sense. So when I do a video about sexism or whatever, I'll make sure to put the pink lipstick on and not shout because really what I want to do is fucking shout. And you know why? Because I am angry. And why wouldn't I be? Women have every right to be angry. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't really that that argument is very funny, in my opinion. You know, and if you if you are constantly like as women and and again, like, I don't know your background, but I acknowledge the fact that as a white woman living in a Western country, I'm super privileged. I acknowledge that, you know, uh, compared to many other women who, who have completely different backgrounds to me, I am 100% privileged. But compared to my white uh, male co uh, colleague, uh, I am less privileged. Um, and as a woman, and, it, and this I don't think matters so much your background or your color, um, you know, I've, you know, as every woman, right, has experienced sexual harassment or some form of um, ha ha sexual harassment in her life, uh, discrimination, uh, uh, some women even more so than others, abuse or any kind of violence or whatever. It's part of, and even just intimidation. Our freedoms are limited 
in certain ways in, you know, these little things that we know not to do as women, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's our liberties taken away from us. So even with the, all the rights we have, we don't have certain rights that should just be, you know, the norm. So my point is, um, I can't even remember what my point is. Oh yeah. My point is that I am angry and I think I have every right to be. And I think that, again, this is another reason why people think, oh, women, uh, uh, middle-aged women are just angry. We, yeah, yeah, we are. And we are. what? And, and what? And, and we should be proud of it. And that's <laughs> yeah. the point. That's the narrative yeah. we should change. We need to be proud of having enough of, you know, this bullshit we have been living in, right? I mean, like going back a little to the beauty industry, don't you find it funny that we buy things that insults us? I mean, this is for, if you have ugly straightened two hairs that looks like shit, <laughs> this product is for you. Oh my God, I need this, right? Yeah. Every, all the beauty industry is um, targeted to make us feel insufficient and bad mm. about ourselves and yeah. make us be different and and that's so fucked up right instead of yeah. i i don't know i think the world needs and women need more of accepting yourself as, as you are and empower yourself in the good way not i hate the word empowered in you know this sophisticated way no in really empowered inside of you in, in in putting your feet inside your shoes and saying this is me and I'm proud of being me. And these are my hips and these are my boobs above my knees or whatever they are, wherever they are. Um, I don't know. I think it's crazy that we are spending our life, which is so short and can immediately end with no previous um, um, announcement. We are spending our lives feeling inadequate. And I think that's yeah. a tragedy. And, and I don't want to... I, need, I think we need to uh, raise our kids, boys and girls, differently because yeah. boys needs, need to learn this stuff too. Because if, don't, if we don't get the men in the program and the boys in the program, oh, yeah. we, we will never change this. We need everybody in this and we need to change the, 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 the world with our kids, no, in, genderless, right? What do you think it will happen when the, the beauty industry that, that I, I mean, I, I think it's happening um, now that under, they understand that we are changing, we are changing and, and, and we won't accept more things that our uh, uh, buy uh, things that uh, make us feel better, no? And, and they will change. It's the, the economy is the economy. Uh, so this this is very important to to um, understand. So what's going inside you? So uh, and what is going outside you? Uh, and and what's going in the beauty industry and the body image? W what will happen? What what will happen then? Because the economy won't crack i think it, the economy is still the economy and they it will, will keep be. on doing the thing this trying to sell us everything yes yes i mean i don't know <laughs> i'm not a i'm not an economist and i don't know but i i i i think that like with everything 
you know, there's always like processes happening and they happen simultaneously. So like you will, you, some, some will progress in one way and other things will progress in another way. And do you know what I mean? Like you, sometimes it feels like you take two steps forward, one step back. It's that kind of feeling. So on the one hand, I think that um, I do see, I do see, um, you know, I'm a lot on TikTok as well. And obviously it's a much uh, a younger crowd. And I, I see alarming, you know, content there and young girls sort of feeling very um, self-conscious about, you know, their bodies or whatever, because, and to an extent that I never experienced when I was their age. So in that way, it's gotten worse because yeah. porn, for example, plays a much bigger part in youth's lives than it ever did when we were that age. You know, like we didn't have Pornhub and we didn't, I don't know, we didn't watch porn at the age of 10. And now like kids are exposed to it from such an early age. And that does damage, um, you know, their perception of, uh, you know, uh, relationships, uh, sex, uh, and body image. Uh, so on the one hand, I see that, and that's very discouraging and upsetting. But on the other hand, I see a lot of um, young people, um, you know, sort of talking about, you know, having a different type of conversation, you know, uh, whether it's about uh, gender and whether it's about uh, body acceptance. So I see like both things happening at the same time. Uh, and I also think that because, um, you know, there's more awareness now, I don't know, the new, the, it's going to be, it's going to be hopefully down. Well, I think it's going to be down to the young generation the Gen Zs uh, and whoever comes after them uh, to sort of, um, you know, maybe, yeah, change the narrative. You know, I, I read an article about it, how they want to, it's like a generation that really wants to do good in the world. You know, things like the environment really matters to them and being, you know, sustainable products. Again, not things that we grew up thinking about, mm -hmm. things that we've had to learn you know, and re relearn and they're born again, not everybody, obviously, but my point is like, they're, they're so different from us. So I don't know who, maybe they will rebel, you know, maybe there'll be a revolution against the corporate type of world and it'll be, there'll be a, a, a longing to go back to nature and to something more organic. I don't know. Who knows? I hope. Who knows? I hope so too, yeah. I, I want to ask you a question. This question would never be asked in a Zoom of four men, but okay. your husband is wonderful. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's game. He goes, I mean, I know marriage is much more complicated than whatever happens. On Instagram, yeah. In social media. But I feel he is a wonderful partner to all of your not your empowerment, but he's a wonderful partner to all of your journey around and to all of your yeah. courage. So what can you tell us about him? Because for whomever is listening to this and doesn't know, uh, she, uh, Tom and her husband have an amazing uh, podcast. podcast together. Thank and you. he's game. He's, he's a yeah, he's, he has a sense of humor. In Mexico, couple is called pareja, which means on the same uh, level. So yeah. he really is. 
You know, I, I, I realized that uh, in many ways, like Mike isn't the standard. I get that. Like, I know that I, I, I get those type of messages every day from women who, you know, will see me do on stories like, you know, Mike's, Mike's, uh, I don't know, putting the laundry on and doing whatever. And they'll go, but does he really, or did you just ask him to do it for the video? I get it. I get that he's not the standard. Um, but that's so sad, isn't it? That, yeah. That's like so, so sad. Especially in Mexico. Happened. In Mexico, Mike yeah. goes really... In out. Israel, it's the same. I come from Israel originally, and I know what you're talking about. You know, it's not the standard. I have a, I have a sub question for the first question, question of Adina, because you talk about that in your book. And we, we recorded an episode about that. And it was like a big thing because in Mexico, we are very traditional, not yeah. us, but people in generally. And the question is open marriage. You do have one yeah. of those, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's kind of funny because uh, I wish I could say like we have a really exciting open marriage, but it's not because, I mean, we sort of went, let's open our marriage. Yay. And then three minutes later, there was lockdown. So it was like, <laughs> it was very short. <laughs> uh, you know, but I'm hopeful that one day we shall revive it. Okay. But like, Um, I think that is only one aspect uh, of, of, of the relationship. And you're right. Uh, every marriage has its ups and downs. We're certainly not perfect at all, but uh, I'm, I, you know, the things that I do like about our relationship is that it is based on, it's a really strong partnership. I do think that I, I really, I really have a partner, you know, and I, and I, and I never really, You know, because again, growing up in the 70s and 80s, I had a very sort of um, a very set idea. And, and that comes, by the way, from movies, doesn't it? The, ro the romantic idea of sort of like, you know, finding your prince and yeah. he's the one. Even and the idea gonna, of the he's gonna one. He's going to save you. He's going to save you. Yeah, he's going to save you. And he and the one, even the one. You know, I thought we watched the movie yesterday and someone said he wasn't the one. And I thought even that sentence is so fucked yeah, up. Yeah, terrible. You know? Because so many people that. He needs to complete you. Yeah, he's the one for now. You know, it's like, what is this one? You know, I don't, I don't understand that. So anyway, um, and, you know, and, and seeing my parents' relationship and how that was, and those were, that was my role model and, 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 and all of that. And when we, when we got married, I had all of those ideas in my head. And even though I was, uh, you know, I trained as an attorney and I worked as an attorney and I've worked all my life, It was kind of, I don't know why, obvious to me that I would make home and he would go out to work and I would sort of have the B job. And especially when we had kids, it was a, sort of immediately obvious that I would reduce my work and look after my eldest. And while he carried on going to work, I don't even know how it happened. There wasn't even a conversation. It just <laughs> happened. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it was like, it really took having uh, twins and then just, you know what? I think women, another conspiracy, by the way, is like women are the weaker sex. Such a fucking bullshit uh, idea because honestly, we're like an octopus. You know, women are, our biggest strength is, and also downside is that we really can do it all and, <laughs> and well. And in heels, Damn it. needed. 
you know, and that is our downfall because I was there juggling, you know, doing everything like a crazy woman. And at some point I just went, that's it enough. I just went, why, why am I actually doing this? And we sat down, had a conversation. I sat down and said, why are you not on the WhatsApp groups? For example, they message me 700 times a day, you know, from the baby lit class and from the kid. I don't care. Like, I'm not interested, you know, because this is the thing. Men think we're interested. You're like, oh, but I think I thought you liked it. No, I don't like it. (laughs) I I don't like it. I I just do it because it's part of being a parent. And he was like, oh, okay. And then I said, why don't I add you to these groups? And that was literally the first thing I did was add him to the WhatsApp groups. And and then sort of suddenly I just I just left the WhatsApp groups. <laughs> I slowly muted the WhatsApp groups and he carried on. And then it was one thing after the other. And now we laugh. He tells me like, you don't know where the dishwasher is. Like, you don't know where these things are. We have now certain things I'm in charge of certain things he's in charge of, but it's, I feel like it's really a partnership now, whereas it's so not like you work, you do this. It's not that traditional kind of setting. Um, and again, I understand it's not possible for everyone. And I do have friends, by the way, who feel very guilty about not working. And I think to say to them, because it's because they raise the kids. And I'm like, are you joking? Your job is the hardest job on the planet, you know, like, and you don't get paid. So it's. Yeah. And it's 24 seven. <laughs> and it's 24 yeah. seven. And that concept, you know, um, I think it's important. Uh, there was, again, another great survey about like what being a um a homemaker what that is money in money wise because you know men often understand money right and women often don't talk about money enough so there's a real disbalance in that conversation but if you put it with money and say well what would a cook cost me and what would a cleaner cost me and what would a a babysitter cost me and what would a driver cost me and all these roles that mother mothers do you come out with a lot of money, you know, it's a, okay. you, a lot of money. Can I tell you a story? One day, my husband, I've been married 20 years to the same guy and I have two kids. And one day he comes home very proud saying, you know what? I, I, today I bought a life insurance. So if I die, you will be safe, protected. You and the kids will no longer need to worry, blah, blah, blah. And I say, oh, that's great. And what if I die? And he's like, what yeah because have you made the numbers if i die will you will need a chauffeur and nanny a cook uh and uh, a tutor or uh, this and this and this okay i get it i will get a life insurance for you baby <laughs> you know yeah. because wow it's true and how wow. important how important for us and i think what that's one of the point one zero of changing the narrative to learn to ask for help to our partners because we do all of what you said because someone has to do it, do it right? So we're, yeah. we are the default parent and the default uh, home take uh, care or whatever it call, it's called. And, and we need to learn to say, I need help. It's your turn to cook or to change the diaper or to go to school and fight with the teacher about whatever you need to fight with the teacher or to be in the WhatsApp group. We don't ask for help to our partners. And that's the, the first, first step we need to do 
to have better couples and better partners, right? I, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, help is key. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, there's that big debate about wh whether or not women can have it all or can't have it all. And then nobody asks that question ever about men because you immediately know that men can have it all. But the only reason they can is because of the often unpaid help of women exactly. you know that is why of they course. can have it all and then the the, the thing that women need to st us as women we need to completely just release is that guilt you know um it's okay to have help and it, it can it can be any type of help it can be hired help if you can afford it it can be friends and family and men need to step up it's okay, you know, like it's, it's okay. And to um, lean in, as Sheryl Sandberg says. Yeah, right. Yeah, and to lean in, yeah. Yeah, okay, so tell us something about your new book because I so need to read it and have it in my hands because I, I think it's very, very funny. It is? Well, it's, uh, it's on its way to you, uh, but here it is. I have Woo! it. I came prepared. <laughs> um, it's called uh, You Did What? Question mark. Uh, and it's basically a collection of secrets and confessions and uh, lots of funny and outrageous stories from people from all over the world, uh, which I've collected. And um, I, I, I love confessions. I've been doing con sharing people's confessions for years on social media. Um, honestly, it started just for fun. But then very quickly, I realized that actually people have the same secrets and they feel a lot of shame about the same things. But actually, when you kind of, you know, you come out with it, you realize that, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed about. And I just thought it would be great to put it all in a book. Can, so you, give us, can you give us like a, a little bite of it? Um, God, there's, there's so many. There's parenting confessions, which are really cute. And there's obviously sex and relationships, lots of fantasies, lots of sex stories gone wrong. <laughs> uh, there's also, are some of these confessions yours? Uh, some, well, I wrote the intro to each section. So I share some of my secrets and, and stories in, in those sections. Um, yeah, so there's, I, I had to share something from each section. So, yes. We, could, we uh, could, could close We could close with a confession. Go on, then. Y you start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you did what? Um, once uh, I put um, some laxative uh, pills <laughs> in someone's coffee <laughs> at the office. Wow. At the office. So I was an adult. <laughs> Uh, nice. It was very fun. It was yeah. a revenge story. For you. Revenge. It was revenge. It was revenge. It was yes. lots of revenge you. stories in the book. Lots. Yeah. I mean, the stuff yeah. people do is actually, it's interesting. <laughs> never, <laughs> drink, never drinking coffee with you ever. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I once... When, when I was in high school, I read that if you, ¿cómo se dice limar las uñas? If you, you know when you... Do your nails, I don't Yeah, know. You, when you do your nails, but you don't cut them, you, you use a nail... Filing, a yeah. filer. The powder of that, if the man, the Has wanted it? man, uh, drink it, was, was going to make sure he was going to fall for you. So wow. he was at my place, yeah. And I went to my bathroom and uh, uh, limé mis uñas 
you know? Your yeah. yeah. And I put it in, I don't know, he asked for a Coke or something, and I just like put it in it and give him, <laughs> and wow. he did not fall for me. So that day I stopped <laughs> believing on, on It Rick. didn't work. Yeah, I did that. Adaiva? No, I have wow. no questions. I usually tell them out loud. I don't Bullshit. Know. Bullshit. You must have one. You did what, Adaiva? You, you did heard, what? You heard this one yesterday, but I have a younger brother whom I grew up super jealous. So when we were like seven, I told him he was older than me, but the truth is he was sick and he got stuck at his age and I outgrew him. <laughs> and please don't tell anything to my parents because my parents were really, really concerned about his sickness. And if he mentioned it, my parents would suffer a lot. And he didn't mention wow. that for oh. like two or three years. Wow. And, and he grew up thinking I was growing and he was stuck. Yeah, for the record, Adina is like one and a half head taller than his brother though. So it was believable. Um. Your story was believable, right? Wow. So, yeah. These are all really good confessions. You see, they would have definitely made it into my book. <laughs> well, for volume two, we will. Yeah, exactly. For volume you, you did not international edition. Where yeah. can we buy that book? In Amazon? In Mexico? So, yeah, we... it's already it's already available for pre-order on Amazon worldwide. And uh, there's also uh, some signed copies uh, still available, but that's from, if you just go to my website, tovali.com, all the links are there. Perfect. Okay. Great. So, nobody lives, lives this show without telling us a diva's favorite question. My favorite, yeah. in Mexico, there's a word. I think we invented it. I don't know if it's in the dictionary. You invented it. Yes, I invented it. Called ondita. I je ne sais quoi. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah. It does. You know what? That thing that makes you want someone. Yeah. Right. That's it. So, like, want them, want them sexually? Do you mean? It can be sexually, but someone you find so attractive because they in- like this mojo or this. Yeah. It- intellectually or physically it can be whatever he can be dead it can be a girl a guy he can be dead (laughs) who for you who for you has it Uh, god but there's so many right yeah there are so many of course there's so many i i i really love uh, idris elba right the actor like I feel like if he was here, I'd be like, whoo. <laughs> um, but I also really love, like, I, I I quite fancy quite a lot of women. So I think if I had to go with a woman, it would be Salma Hayek. Okay, oh. Of course. Our Salma yeah. Hayek. Yeah. Who doesn't, yeah. right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are the two that come to mind. Yeah. Good choices. Perfect choices. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh, there's no good and there's no good and bad. Everybody's yeah. welcome. It's here very and, personal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's personal. It's and true. But it's, it's really hard to choose, though. Yeah, it's hard to choose. Yeah, we can do a show about only such a big world. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, uh, pleasure. 
personally, it has been an honor, but for us, for La Burrarisca, we are going, this is La Burrarisca going global, so it's a very huge <laughs> We don't know who our next international guest will be, will be, but it will be tough to, to uh, be in on your level. Yeah. Maybe. Huh? Yes, exactly. I do Salva. Exactly. exactly. With Tova. We will get in, we will invite you if that happens, okay? Oh, you should, in person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. We enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, good luck with your new book. I look forward Me to it. Me too. Thank you so much. Where can we Thank follow you, Tova? Where can oh, we follow uh, you? Yeah, well, on socials, uh, Instagram, Tova underscore Lee. That's the easiest. <laughs> si cualquiera de ustedes no sabía quién era Tova Lee, de nada, o sea, perdón, pero este es un gran regalo que le damos a la humanidad, porque qué mujerón. Es la cuarta burra arisca, pero vive en Inglaterra. I just said that you are the fourth burra arisca, okay? So, what is that? You know what it means, ah, la burra arisca? Oh. No, it's a donkey. It's a, it's a, um, uh, how it's do you a, say uh, arisca? It's like, um, it's a, in, in Mexico, there's this saying that donkeys are not born wary of, they're made wary because, you know, because of, they become all, all that the way. So, they become right. that way because people treat them bad. And so right. it's exactly what we said. We were not crazy. We were, we were born like that. We, yeah. we, we didn't become this. We were born like this, right? Yeah. So that, that's what la burra arisca means. It's a Mexican saying. And you are the fourth one because there's three Aww. of us. You're the fourth Thank one. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you are like <laughs> our international representative. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Thanks again, Tova. And have a good night. Thank Bye. you so much, ladies. Take care. Bye. Esto fue... La burra arisca. La burra arisca. La burra, la burra arisca. arisca. Tres mujeres en sus cuarentas diciendo una que otra sandés y buscando aprobación social. Con Laura Manso, la Margator y Adina Chelminsky. Una producción de Antonio Sempere para finísimos.com. La burra arisca.